ride a ride. We're here with Mame and Mom. Yes. Well, hi, Mom. Where did you ever, ever come from? You're my mom, so I came from you. Yeah, that is true. That's true. This backhanded compliment changed your whole life. Mame out, man. All right, all right. Welcome all back. Right. Welcome back to... Mame. And Mom. Woohoo! We did it. We did it right. We did that pretty well. I Actually, I'm really excited. That's good. Yeah. So how's your week been? It's been good. It's been busy. It's been nice out. So I've been out doing some yard work, fighting with black flies. It's been great. The times. Um, it's been a great week, though. It's beautiful. The, there's something to, to be said about the sun. It's so sunny and beautiful out. Oh, yeah. It completely changed your whole mood. Completely. Mm-hmm. I've been doing a little bit better with my routine stuff. I've been waking up a little bit earlier, going to bed earlier. It's been solid. Mm-hmm. Good. Yep. So do you feel better? I ha- I do feel better. Good. Hmm. Wow. Got some, did some job interviews this week. Fingers crossed that they went well. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed that I won't be laid off anymore soon because I keep talking about it on this podcast. People are probably sick of it. <laughs> I think someone on the podcast would hire you. Right? Please hire me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, so this week we talked with a fantastic, hilarious, amazing comedian and mom, Mona. Yeah, Mona Forgione. And yeah, her interview's up next, and I think everyone's gonna really love it. Don't you think? I yes, I do. Now can let's just can you describe her a little bit just kind of as an intro? Yeah, um, she's a very, I would say, outspoken, real awesome, just knows who she is type of person, like, like a great role model, I think, for everybody. She's a mom of three kids, runs comedy shows all around New England, uh, does comedy all around New England. Yeah, so great. I'm I'm looking forward to everyone hearing our show. Me too, hearing her interview. All right, well, here it is. We are with Mame and Mom. Oh my wow. And today we have Mona. I'm Mame. And I am Mom. And we have who here, Em? We have Mona Forgione. <laughs> Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Of course. Well, it's great to have you. Emily has told me so much about you. She told me that oh. you are a riot. You're a comedian. I'm definitely going to come to one of your shows. And yeah, we are all about it. Mona, where are you from? I'm originally from Chelsea, Massachusetts. Ah, okay. Is that where you live now? Are you in Massachusetts? You don't have to give me your address or anything. <laughs> no, I'm in, as I look around, I'm like looking out at woods right now. I'm in Derry, New Hampshire now. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're not too far. That's great. Yeah, yeah we know all the areas. Mona runs a ton of shows in the New Hampshire area all around. So oh, anyone do. listening? Not a ton. Not a ton. Well, I, they're good ones. Quality. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. That's great. How did you get it? And just in case, when we say that she runs shows, she's a comedian and she runs comedy shows, correct? Is that what you mean? Correct. So I'm a comedian first, but then I started uh, putting together my own shows, working with venues, hiring extremely funny comedians, funnier than me, to come in. And then I just host and I sit back and then I get to watch funny people make a bunch of people laugh. So How awesome. That must be so yeah. fun. Good for you. Thank you. How did you get into comedy? Uh, I have been writing for a while. 
like a long time just writing notes down. And I played for, I played competitive roller derby for a little bit. And I was nursing my first shoulder injury. And I said, I've got to, I have to just make people laugh with this because I just kept writing and I was writing even more because I had a little bit more time on my hands. Even with three kids, I had more time on my hands. <laughs> and so I, I said, I need to start delivering these jokes that I'm writing. And the friend of mine went with me to or the first place I ever went, aside from when I was younger. And I tried when I was probably like 18 or something like that in Boston. But the first time that I tried as a, as a grown adult, I was at Sally O'Brien's in Somerville and Somerville Mass. And that's when I did my first open mic. And then after that, I just kept on doing that. Then I found open mics in New Hampshire and I went, oh, oh, there are some closer. <laughs> and I just kept on going, went back to roller derby, was doing roller derby and comedy, had another shoulder injury oh. and just kept it then kept on doing just more and more comedy. That is awesome. And when was that? I feel like I remember when you started, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I don't even know. This was like five and a half years ago or okay. something like that. I think we might have started something at like a, five and a half. Something. Yeah, I think we started at the same time. I think so. Yeah. And then I, yeah, and I continued. Mm -hmm. I didn't stop. I had to hold back a little bit because I started playing roller derby again. And then I just went into comedy more so uh, awesome. more nights a week. Yeah, I mean, more nights a week. And Mona's so. selling herself short. She's very, very funny. So don't don't believe any of that. So you mentioned the fact that you have three kids also. That's part of why we wanted to have you on. I mean, this show's all about us and moms and our relationship between me and my mom and like other relationships. That's what we're, we're all about. Uh, and you talk a lot about your kids online. You refer to them as the gremlins. Oh, yes. <laughs> so yes. tell us more about that lovingly referred to them as the gremlins. <laughs> they're quite feral. They're feral gremlins. All three of them are, they're, they have, I'd say this, a very similar sense of humor, kind of dark, much like me, but they are, they're magical. They're just, they're great. I, I talk a lot of crap about them, but they are absolutely fantastic. They are very different in their own, they're each different, have different likes and dislikes, individual people but each of them is amazing how old so. are they how old are they now 12 9 and 7 oh so wow. they're all pretty close in age then wow yes yeah fun stuff <laughs> yeah my mom can relate there <laughs> yeah we can i have three they're all two years apart and let me tell you gremlins i'm not even going to be that nice <laughs> <laughs> Feral, i don't know <laughs> no, i don't know which ones. one yeah, well, yeah, they're all different. So, so do you know, you know how you, we study, you know, birth order or whatever, the oldest tends to be more serious. The middle one is usually, I don't know what they call the middle one. They usually say they're the comic, but not necessarily in my case, but he is funny too. Ryan is freaking hilarious. He really is. And then the youngest child, of course, I have another comedian. So what, can you explain your kids and, and what they're like with the birth order? Sure. Um, my, my oldest gremlin is <laughs> very, he, he tries to, he reminds me of my older sister. I'm one of four. Okay. Um, and we are very close in age. My mother had them every single year, minus there was a, an additional year between me and my younger brother, the third in that birth order. Rocco is definitely, he is, tries to herd everyone. Mm-hmm tries to keep everybody in line, <laughs> is very freaked out that he cannot control the others, tries to, 
but he is not super serious unless he is trying to control his siblings and make sure they are, they're doing the right thing. And that's the only time he ever gets in trouble. And I say, you can't control them. I can't control them. They're their own people. You can guide them, but you can't control them. And so he's slowly learning that he's 12 now. And he's slowly, slowly just learning to step back a little and watch and then say, you shouldn't do that. And then he snitches. Um, and that, that's him. This is your oldest. That's my oldest. And he is very creative music, music. He plays saxophone, trumpet, dabbles on keyboard, guitar. Like he is a little creative. All three of them are. Uh, but Rocco, he's in school band and jazz band and doing his thing. So that's Rocco. Ari is my middle gremlin. He's fabulous. Very sensitive. He's a little observer. He sits back and he watches. Very funny though. Very funny. Likes to come out with things when you're not expecting it. He'll do a week all. I always call them chime-ins when nobody should be saying anything back. And all of a sudden there's a little voice just saying something that is observational, maybe inappropriate, uh, but accurate. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So Ari, definitely, he's a bit more reserved, but is extremely silly. And he's also a snuggle bug. He loves his snuggle time even at nine years old. And I was talking to, speaking with another mom yesterday about her son doing the same thing. And I just keep my fingers crossed. I'm like, just stay like that forever. Mm-hmm. Snuggle me. Oh. Um, but I'm waiting for that age where he, even my 12 year old still likes snuggles, oh. but he's definitely a little love bug, but very sensitive. He takes everything. And so sometimes I feel bad if there's something else going on and he's internalizing it more than the others, he'll hold it and hold it and hold it in. And then boop, much like this one right here. <laughs> I do that as well. I don't know if it's a middle child thing. Um, and then the youngest is, uh, some people have a, have spitfires. Uh, she's my little inferno. Like this one. And she cuddles. So. Yes. <laughs> and we still cuddle. So. Well, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ruby's a cuddler as well. My little Ruby, she is, she's uh, an inferno. And I wouldn't change a thing. People, they get a little nervous because she she's a little mouthy. <laughs> But I'm her mom, so it's expected. And I just think I think of what my my mom used to say is that you'll worry you'll worry less later. You're always going to worry as a parent. But if you know that, especially as a a little female, she's able to hold her own mm-hmm. and she doesn't take anything from anyone. I don't care what she's saying as long as she's handling it in a in a respectful way, mm-hmm. or sometimes not not so respectful if she's being disrespectful. I mean, if she's being disrespected, but I just let her, I let her be, I used to call her the Rue beast (laughs) and it, she just, I just, she goes beast mode and I'm all about it because she doesn't just flip off for no reason. She feels like she must be, if something is unfair, she's going to let you know, but she is also extremely giving, unbelievably kind. She adores her brothers. She calls them her boys and she she is a very kind-hearted human, and for that reason, I know she's well-balanced, and just when I look at all three of them, there's just this this pride, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because they are good humans, and I just hope that continues, because I always say you don't know what you're baking mm-hmm. until they're like, I don't know, maybe 30. I, and I agree 100%. <laughs> and I mean, I think there's... Obviously, like you give kids building blocks and you can be a great parent, but at the end of the day, everyone's going to be who they're going to be, right? Like that's what scares me about becoming a parent. (laughs) But that's so awesome. I mean, it sounds like 
I think you're always kind of who you are when you're younger too. Like the the personality traits don't really go away. 100%. Like you said, when they're born, you know, I mean, my oldest definitely is like take charge, black and white, responsible. And then my second, he's very responsible as well, but he's sensitive. Like you were saying about your middle child. That's funny. And he was a cuddler. He doesn't cuddle anymore because he's 31. He, it's kind of weird to cuddle now. You know, <laughs> you don't know until you try. <laughs> but Emily, she was just like what you're saying, your youngest child. She's always been a spitfire. I'll never forget. This is how I always remember. And the first time I noticed because she was in her little, you know, those little rocker chair things that you put babies in. I don't know if you still do it. But anyway, I had her in one of those and she did not want to be in it. And she flipped out. And I had to pick her up. I mean, that's how that's her personality. If she wants, it's going to happen. And, you know, don't mess with M and she'll put her foot down. And I always feel safe. If I go somewhere with her, I'm fine. Because <laughs> she's not going to let anything happen. So I feel yeah. kind of safe. So I wonder if that's a youngest child or well, for yours being the only girl, too. She's probably feels like she's going to take care of the boys and run the show. She also, There's a keep up. You've got to keep up with them. She's the youngest. And there is a bit of a space between her oldest older brother mm-hmm. the oldest brother and her and she just has she has to keep up that's nice that's good well that's good now do they do they baby her or take care of her or what do they like with her oh she takes care of them yeah <laughs> which was me when i was younger i have an older i so i have an older sister two years older an older brother one year older and my younger brother two years younger all in a row and behind the scenes i was always watching out for them I would take care of things for them. Even as an adult, I still, I watch. I was much like my, much like my uh, middle child, kind of observing, like the little mediator. As an adult, that's kind of the role that I fell into. We all have dogs. We don't even worry about it. It's part of the show. (laughs) I'm like, oh, yeah. Not only do we have dogs, my mom now has three dogs and they're all, she says that they're like me, my brother and sister, because they all have our personality. (laughs) They're exactly like them. It's weird. (laughs) And they're a pain in the, you know what, too. Just like my kids. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) So do the kids know about your comedy? Uh, they do. They don't, they've never, they've heard bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. I am not, I'm not a very, I'm not dirty. I'm not clean. Like I consider my comedy lived in because it's all about my life and nobody's life is squeaky clean. It's, it kind of gets messy sometimes. Mm-hmm. Hello, here I am. Yeah. You know? And that's, that's what I tend to um, write jokes about. Like if I can make it funny, if I can have somebody laugh, at what is going on in my life, if I can put a funny spin on it and watch people laugh and find enjoyment, then I feel much better about my situation. And also people can relate yeah. to it. And that's the thing is I like relatable comedy. And when I have people sitting out there and then come up to me after a show and say, I went through that, I went through that health scare. I, you know, have that issue with my, my kids or, oh my goodness, you hit the nail on the head with the husband situation. I just smile and nod. And I say, that's what it's about. You can, are you, are you able to laugh at it? Can you then go home and just kind of laugh at whatever, whatever life throws at you? Because I feel like there's just so much in the moment stuff that if a little bit down the line, you can look at it in a different way and giggle 
then it's all right. Then you mm -hmm. can get through it. You just absolutely have to find that laughter. I agree. I mean, it's hard being a parent. I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe I'm different or was different because I was a little insecure. And I think a lot of mothers are because you don't know what you're supposed to be doing and you want to be a good mother. And <laughs> so, you know, there's things that you might have, you might do differently now, but it's kind of, when you look back, it's kind of funny because we do these little skits and they're, but they're so accurate. It's really weird. You know, one of my skits is the mother stressed out mother smoking cigarettes in the bathroom and crying. <laughs> but it, that's what it's like, but we don't tell people not that. I mean, I wouldn't smoke, but I mean, that was just part of the character, but it can be so stressful. So, but you don't, you know, a lot of mothers don't want to, you know, admit it to other mothers because they want to be the perfect mother or whatever. And we need more people like you to say those things because it helps people open up and and mm -hmm. you know, support one another. So I think that's important. I think we do that a lot. I think you there's this whole and I know for years and and I, I want to say back in the day, but I remember people being so you don't talk about what happens in your yeah. home. You don't. And then those same ladies were like popping Valium all the time <laughs> because they can't vent about it. So they're like popping this, popping that, trying to, trying to get through. I mean, I pop brownies in the bathroom <laughs> and handfuls of chocolate chips to down my, like drown my pain. But it's, <laughs> if, you, if you don't, if you don't let it out, you have to let it out and you have to know, let people know that they're not alone yeah. because it gets lonely as a mom, especially like when you're a stay at home mom, like I'm a stay at home mom and it, it's funny at home mom, but then I like run out at night. Um, so there's this whole thing. It's you're by yourself so much and your day is dictated. Your entire day is dictated by schedules and you're on, you're on hold. You're kind of on a pause moment where you're just waiting for a call from a school or you have to be that emergency. So you're just, you're just waiting and waiting. And then the life is happening around you and you're just kind of waiting until you understand and give yourself like for me it got to a point where I was I you have permission to do other things mm -hmm. oh my goodness I can plan comedy shows while my kids are at school I can go to venues and I can contact comedians and I can be doing all these other things um while my kids are at school but it's like for a while I just felt like oh no you just have to be in this little box you have to be on hold for everyone and there are other women who come up to me after shows or people who are, I was friends with, and then they see my comedy and then they say, Oh, you can do that. You do that. Say, yeah, you can totally do whatever you want to do. It doesn't, you know, it's, it makes you more fulfilled and then you're more fulfilled and then you can be a happier parent. Mm -hmm. And there's ways of, of doing that. So I feel like as a parent, sometimes we just say, we can't do something because of the kids, or we can't do something because of a significant other, or we we just hold it all in and we hold in the fact that we have more in here than we're letting out. And that's so not healthy. You got to let it out. You have mm -hmm. to, if you're shiny, let that shine out, whatever it is, because it's only going to make you more fulfilled. But we just do this thing where we hold it and we hold in our grief. We hold in our cre creativity. Everything is just put in a, on pause because you think, no, no, no. How does that benefit the kids? Yeah. Yeah. 1, and then it comes out and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Wait, doing all these things, letting out, letting out my grief, letting out my creativity, whatever it is that you just hold in. It actually spills that goodness that comes out of it spills over onto the kids. 
and yeah. then the whole household suddenly becomes happier. I, yeah, I think it's way better to have a role model for your kids too. That's like they they see you doing stuff. They don't see you just like sad. Like having someone not being able to do your own thing can really lead to being like sad or depressed. Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of moms out there not giving themselves permission. They work full-time jobs, then they come home and they're taking care of kids and they just hold it all in. They mm-hmm. hold it in whatever they're feeling mm-hmm. and they need to just let it out. Definitely. I don't know why I just did hands. I'm like, <laughs> uh, but a lot of people have said to me, maybe I shouldn't say a lot. Some people have said to me, so how do you like, air out your dirty laundry. I mean, Emily and I have said things on this show that other people probably wouldn't. And everybody's different. I mean, some people are more, you know, they keep their stuff in, but there goes my cat. I I am good with letting things out and sharing with other people because I think that it's helpful, for, like we just said. I think it's important. Mm-hmm. I know for me, letting it out, it really helps. And I think it's good for other people to hear it. Yeah, everybody is human. And also just sitting sitting throughout the day and just overthinking and not letting it out and being alone too and overthinking is the worst. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It must be hard though for like a, um, a working mom because you're working all day and then you come home and then you're dealing with kids. Uh, how much more energy do you have to even let anything out? So it's finding little bits and pieces for yourself, going to a comedy show. And then they feel this guilt, though, for even trying to schedule something like that. And, oh, well, I didn't, because I worked all day, how do I then, on a weekend, leave early so I can go out with with friends and see a comedy show or go do some fun thing, a charcuterie class, you know, <laughs> anything. How do you How do you manage to do that and not feel guilty? And I think that's another thing is there's this whole thing about mom's guilt when you actually go and do something else for yourself. But especially if you're working all day and then you're taking care of kids and then you have you're scheduling your weekend so tightly, you gotta schedule in a little time to just break free and just yeah. let loose. And that's I guess when better parent too. If you can mm-hmm. if you don't have time to yourself, how can you be as, as good of a parent as you possibly can because you're exhausted? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One, one question about that too, just because of what you said about other moms dealing with this guilt, I guess, have you ever felt that guilt and how did you deal with it exactly? Yeah. When I first, so after I had my first kid, I was, I was laid off from a job right before I was due, which was horrible. And it was a job in Boston and I worked an unbelievable amount of hours number of hours because I wanted to make sure that we had savings. I needed to hit for commission numbers. I needed to make sure that I, that like the team was being managed, right? Like there was just so much involved in it. And then all of a sudden I was laid off and I did get some time with him, but I had to go back to work. So I was looking for jobs in New Hampshire because I had been in New Hampshire, but then driving down to Massachusetts and Boston for work. So I took a job up in New Hampshire and then the oldest, he was getting sick all the time in daycare. Well, you can't send him to daycare sick. So then you have to take time off work. So I was feeling guilty. We were doing the whole whose job's more important thing Mm -hmm. and feeling so guilty about, about that. And I felt incredibly guilty saying, oh, I need to go to work today. I already took a day off. I have to go back to work. He can't go back to daycare yet because he still has a fever or he's still not feeling well. And it became a who's more important. And I felt guilty. And then I said, okay, I guess I have to stop working. And I ended up uh, 
do taking like a brief stint cleaning uh, hospitals yeah. at night, overnight stuff, because I said, I still need some money while we get used to balancing on one income. Mm-hmm. And so I, I did some cleaning briefly. And then years later, then it became this, this guilt of if I did go out and be, I think I had that guilt. I think I still have that guilt and I don't think that completely goes away. I just think that it's something that the more I see the kids benefit from me having outlets and me doing things and me now having an income and things like that, it, I think that changed because my, my frame of mind is it's changing. Mm-hmm. So now I'm thinking more positive about the positivity that it's bringing to the family and less about, oh no, I'm not there what am I missing? Or what if they need me? I'm just thinking, okay, I'm bringing in some, some goodness, some positivity. Uh, But there's still that guilt. And I I think that'll always be there because that's how, that's how females are raised. And, and not so much raised as in, that's what you're taught by your mother. Just society tells you, you are, you are on call. You are the mom. You do everything. You're supposed to be there. You're the emotional support. You should be there physically for your child all the time should they need you. But also right now, we need you to go back to work because people can't survive on one income or mm-hmm. you're a single mom and you have to bust your butt to work, but you're still going to feel guilty because you can't make it to all your school things. So it's it's mm-hmm. it's society that's, mm-hmm. that's force feeding you guilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's hard. That is so hard. It's so tiring and it's just... Uh, it's, oh, I just, I feel so bad for moms. It is so hard. And, you know, we say moms, but I think, thank goodness, things are starting to turn around a little bit where a lot of dads are staying home now too. You know, the roles are being switched. But even with that, whether it's a mother or a dad being home, there's always this guilt. And even now I'm almost 60 years old and I still have guilt. If I haven't seen my kids for a while or I live an hour away. I feel guilty. I should go live closer. I just, yeah, I, I, I get it. I, it's just, but maybe that means that you care. I guess, I don't know. I guess it's a dance, isn't it? It's a weird dance. Yes. So, but your kids are so lucky to have you. It sounds like your house is fun. <laughs> it's, it's chaotic at times, <laughs> but we have, we do have a lot of fun. I can imagine dinner. It's what always is dinner. Like emotions. what is it like if I, we were sitting at your dinner table and Dinner table is chaotic. If I put on, we'll say, which I just realized this, if I put on background music, fun music that they really like, dinner is much smoother. And I I, I found that I can kind of control our day through soundtrack. If things get really wild, if I put on a song that they like, let's say from the SpongeBob SquarePants soundtrack, Agua, you know, something they can really shake their booties to. the, their mood lifts and even if they're starting to become little snippy with each other mm-hmm. they'll all just start laughing and kind of dancing while they eat not too much we don't want it joking now, <laughs> but they it's you know it's a little more fun so I've been I've been putting on a lot more music how I grew up was there was always laughter around the dinner table to the point where someone would my mom was always like someone's gonna choke someone's gonna choke <laughs> we would just laugh and have fun you knew what you said was like good material if my mom had to go for her inhaler 
or have to have to make a <laughs> pot of coffee for her asthma. So that was always like, that was like, oh my goodness, you gave mom an asthma attack. Yeah. Do you ever? And then you're nervous, you're nervous, but you're like, oh, that was really good. That was really good. So that was like gold Dude. standard was, is mom, is her, is her earway closed? Oh my God. Do you ever look out in the crowd when you're doing comedy and see if anyone's using their inhaler and you're like, <laughs> No, but when I, so my mom, I, <laughs> I opened for Ray Harrington at the Portland Maine Comedy Festival mm -hmm. and he is so funny. Well, my parents came and I kid you not, I was watching my mom the whole time because she was laughing so hard and I kept waiting for her to pull out the inhaler and like, does she even have her inhaler? Like she should know better. And this was like all in my mind. And then my mother said, oh, I'm actually on a new medication. I don't need my inhaler as much. And I went, oh my goodness, I wish I knew that because I was so nervous. I didn't even, I enjoyed the comedy. Of course, it's, it's Ray Harrington, hysterical, so funny, but I was watching her the whole time, nervous that she was going to have an asthma attack Aww. and she's on a new medication. It was working beautifully. And I went, okay, this is good. Oh this so is sweet. good. That is. Yeah. But my kids, I wait for that. I, I, I want them to, they're in, at very strange stages where they're starting to get a little a little snippy with each other. Mm -hmm. They used to be a little more loving at the table, and now they're just kind of looking at each other and and waiting to say little things. Yeah. And I always say, unless it's funny, don't say it. If it's going to make the person laugh, yeah. But I think siblings, you end up building a thicker skin if you have siblings anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, come on. I used to sit around and laugh, and that's kind of the vibe that I'm trying to build in the household now is just – laugh about it. There's so much in the world. If you can just laugh at the silly things that aren't really important instead of getting like nitpicky about mm -hmm. it, it's beautiful. Yeah. It can be beautiful. Couldn't agree more. So that's the vibe we're currently working on is more laughs, less nitpicky. I love that. But yeah, you mentioned about your mom and about how you grew up a little bit. So one question we always ask everybody on this show is how is your relationship with your mom? And then also since you are a mom, how do you think that that has shaped your experiences being a mom? If I ended up being one-tenth of the mother that my mother was and is, um, then I, I'm doing okay because my mom is an absolute rock star. Uh, mm -hmm. My family has been through so much over the years. And both of my parents, both my parents, my mom and my dad are incredibly supportive, uh, but I mean, as far as my relationship with my mom goes, you have your person, my mom, my mom, that's who I go to for everything. There are things I try to hold back because I mean, my family, my family has a lot that they go through anyway. Mm -hmm. So I always kind of pick and choose the time. I mean, there are four of us and she just is constantly worrying about all of us and her grandkids and, you know, and that mother's guilt, she still has it. So I just, I kind of pick and choose and I wait till things I are a little more settled. And then I let her know things that are going on with me. And she is just unbelievably supportive for everything, uh, for my comedy with my kids. She's, she's the Nana that's on the phone with them all the time, talking to them. And she's always interested in what they have to say. You know, it's not like she rushes them. She's just always interested and always there. And because I have such a close relationship with my mom, it makes me so incredibly happy and grateful that my kids seem to have that similar bond 
with her mm-hmm. and it's it's beautiful. I couldn't ask for a better relationship with my mom. That's oh. so sweet. I hope she'd say the same. <laughs> oh, I guarantee you. Like, oh, actually, she's my least favorite kid. <laughs> you going to listen to this, do you think? I hope so. Oh, yes. Good. Oh, yeah. Good. I'm glad. Do you think that that ever was different when you were younger? Like, do you think that your relationship has changed at all from then to now? So when I was younger, I was a very, I all, I've always been the type of person where I think in my head and I overthink Mm -hmm. and I always do that, but I don't tell people what I'm planning. I just think it, think it through, think it through, get a plan and then do it. So to a parent who is not kept in on the loop until I have made my decision, she thought that I was just flying by the seat of my pants, making decisions. And I scared the crap out of her. (laughs) Um, I would always just go for things. But she would think, you didn't say anything to me. You must have just, it must be spontaneous. And she'd get nervous. And it wasn't until I was an adult and she stepped back and started watching me more and seeing that the decisions that I was making were actually the best for me, Mm -hmm. that she calmed down a bit. And I think she started worrying slightly less because she knew that it was an informed decision. Um, but growing up, I never had that. I know a lot of my friends thought they were like embarrassed of their parents or, you know, they were always, Oh, my mom's not supportive. My mom, my mom has always been supportive. She's always been, um, very loving and she'd hang back a little bit and just watch me do things. If she thought I was doing something that wasn't right for me, she would say it. Um, but she'd still let me do things. And Uh, So I don't think our relationship has changed that much other than me becoming a parent Mm -hmm. and respecting her in a whole different light. I've always respected my mom, but now there's just so much that I, I, it's just to, to know what she had, what she went through and what she goes through with my siblings now. And just, it's a, it's a totally different level of respect and love. And I didn't think it was possible to have to have that kind of change mm-hmm. in respect and love, but I do. It's just that she's on, she is on a pedestal oh, for, that's so for me because I can't even imagine some of the stuff that she has gone through mm-hmm. with us. And she still has the brightest smile, the best laugh, and she's just, she's so strong. Mm-hmm. And that is just, even if she weren't my mom, as a human, a phenomenal human. Mm-hmm. So. Wow, I, that's beautiful. That's and I think that, that that's some of the biggest thing about being a good mom or just a good parent is when you get older, realizing all the things that they did and realizing how hard it must have been and kind of taking it for granted when you're younger because, because they're not showing any signs of it being difficult. Like my mom, she mm-hmm. she went to college for 11 years and then was working multiple jobs. And, and she was a single mom too. And she was just, she picked me up from school every day. And I was so mean to her. She'd pick me up and I'd sit in the back. She'd be like, how's your day? I'm like, fine. And she was just sitting there like smiling, like tapping her little fingers on the, on the wheel. <laughs> and I was such a jerk, but it's like now looking back, looking at all the stuff she was doing and I was mean to her. It's like, oh, wow. <laughs> but what you didn't see was she was in a bathroom smoking exactly. cigarettes, right? <laughs> Exactly. Oh my God. Well, we all do that. Yeah. I did the same thing to my mother. It's just part of life, you know. It's part of being a kid. But I mm-hmm. think it's healthy when you get older. You can look at it and 
you know, Mother's Day's coming and everything, you know, you can give me a good present. You know what I mean? <laughs> Out of your guilt. No, just kidding. Um, no, it's, it's all good. But that's beautiful. I love to hear you say that about your mom. I bet she's a wonderful, beautiful lady. I hope I'll meet her at one of your shows. Oh, definitely. And just, I'm not, I'm not overselling either. She. Yeah. No, I believe you because look at you. You're awesome. And just the fact that the things that you do, it sounds like you're very gutsy. I I love it. Mm -hmm. It it takes a lot of work and not only work, but just just so much to run a show and to run it, run it well. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into it. Absolutely. You said, was it rugby that you said that you played? Was it rugby? Roller derby. I mean, any person that can play that or do that, you are one tough lady. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Not anymore. I I am training rookies again, though, for New Hampshire roller derby. So I got back on skates and I was like, oh, this feels so good. And people were rolling up to me. So you're ready to take hits? I'm like, nope. No, my shoulders are very important to me now. (laughs) Just the fact that you had the guts to do that. I I respect Mm -hmm. women that do any type of sports like that. That is just... I think that that boosts your confidence and really helps you become who you are as a woman, I would think. It was probably one of the first steps in me um, kind of finding who I am again, Mm -hmm. because you kind of lose that. You kind of chip things away from yourself and you lose a little bit of yourself along the way sometimes when when it comes to focusing on focusing on kids or what you have to do to make sure the household is all right. And that was one of the first things I did. My, the youngest, yeah, she was one. So yeah, so the, you chip away and then you start finding, finding yourself again. And uh, that's one of the first things it's, you know, it helps you build confidence. And right now I train, I'm back to training rookies. And the biggest thing that I love about it is watching women who are unsure of themselves. They're lacking a bit of confidence. They're learning. They want to learn a new skill. You don't really go to roller derby. It's not like a knitting group, you right. know. You you go there because you you're looking for something, and something else. And um, watching watching people find find what they're looking for and build that confidence, and it's very empowering. It it's a good feeling to be able to help along with their journey. Absolutely, so. that's that's amazing. I love that. Emily was a goalie one year. <laughs> I was in lacrosse. Um, I was was good at it only because I blocked everything with my body. (laughs) But I'm known for being very clumsy, so it wasn't wasn't the best thing for me. We have to do a skit on that, and We have to do a skit on you doing that. I honestly think... Oh, my gosh. Oh, geez, I'm pro. She's getting hit in the face again. I think the only reason I was good at it is just because, like, I always run into (laughs) things or, like... Oh. So the I just blocked it all. <laughs> That's fun. That's too fun. Whatever works. Whatever works. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, we have a little would you rather game that we made. Ooh. All right. all right. So the first one is: Would you rather be stranded on a desert island with your kids for a week, or do a cross country road trip with your kids? <laughs> oh, I think the cross country road trip. I think the, we last year we did a, a little road trip and uh, in an RV oh. and it was interesting. It was difficult, but it was very interesting. But I, I think that the cross country road trip. Yeah. 
Access to music. Yeah. I know. It sounds like that's you your make trick. It I feel like your house is a musical. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that helps me through the day. I keep an earbud in my ear usually throughout the day. I have my so I have a, a soundtrack as long as I can. Keep an ear free for kids screaming, mm -hmm. but keep one with some music just to keep it going. I like that a lot. I'm going to start using that trick just for yeah. my life. I don't have kids, but <laughs> just for life. All right. So would you rather be guaranteed at least seven hours of sleep per night or be able to still drink coffee? Wow. Man, I'm like, I'm like that, that's a tough one. That is, that's a tough one because I can go without coffee. I actually drink some decaf now as a placebo effect. All right. Seven hours of sleep. That, although that sounds really magical, there are some nights where it's, it's just not possible. You know, I'm going to go with seven hours of sleep because I know health wise, that's probably very beneficial. Even if emotionally it's tough. How many hours of sleep do you usually get? Cause you're probably out late with comedy, right? It, that depends on the night, depends on how late I'm out. Uh, if it's a show, you usually get home earlier from shows. Mm -hmm. And then I, I'm usually awake between, lately it's been, been between 4 and 5 a.m. Oh, wow. But I can't get up out of bed, so I usually start doing things on the phone that I can do, make a promo flyer, whatever I'm doing, because if I get up and they hear me, it's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then anything productive I'm doing, I have to, you know, I'm productive with other things I have to stop doing. So yeah, I, I currently don't get too much sleep. Yeah, I can't imagine. When... Or at least straight through. But it's been better lately than it used to be. Mm. Yeah, I guess they're getting a little bit older, right? So is it getting easier with that, with sleeping? Yes. I, I don't know. Did you have the phantom, phantom screams? Oh, Lori, did you have that where you think a kid is calling you even though they've been asleep for yeah. a few hours? Yeah. 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 I, st I still wake up. The youngest is seven and I'm like, she's calling me. I get up. I go to her room. She's sleeping. Oh. Yeah. Constant. Yeah. So, I mean, do you ever really sleep when you're a mom, when your kids are little? I sleep now. Well, whatever. <laughs> if I can, nice. What am I saying? I, I'm in menopause. Nobody sleeps when they're in menopause, but still. Okay. Um. Would you rather have triplets or three kids all one year apart? Three kids one year apart. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. All right. One more. Would you rather have your kids be infants again or the, be the age they are now? Oh. I know. I'm like, oh. My mom wrote this I, one. <laughs> I, miss, I miss those sweet babies. And there are so many things that I would do differently and not freak out about and it, there are just so many things I think I would enjoy it more however everything that I've done have you know kind of fostered a bit who they are right now mm -hmm. and I, I think that everything happens as it should when it should and so I think I'll, I'll keep them their ages and then if someday somebody wants to give me a grandbaby do over yeah do over. Exactly. exactly. No pressure. No pressure. I like furry, furry grandkids too would be great. Mom. Yeah. I appreciate that more. But if that happens, <laughs> if, if, if they do want to give me a grandbaby, then I'll have a little do over. All right. One more. Would you rather clean up puke or snot? <laughs> <laughs> so I am not a mucus person. Oh. I, I like, I thoughts of it. Look at me. I'm starting to get, uh, gag. I can't. So if there's mucus, I'll end up having to clean up vomit. You know okay, what I mean? I gotcha. I'm, I'm good now. If it's your baby, there's nothing like cleaning up like your kids' boogies, your kids' anything. Like that yeah. is not, yeah. is fine if it's your kid. If it's anybody else's, it's the most disgusting oh, thing yeah. ever. 
right? Like your kid, you're like, it's okay. You know, let's clean it up. Wipe it on yourself. It doesn't, I'll take, use my own shirt. Someone else's, mm-hmm. I agree. I can't do it. But I, I still think overall, I think that I would be better with vomit than well, snot. If it's, if it's, if it's my kid, I'd rather take the snot than the vomit. But if it's just random, Mm -hmm. okay, I would rather take vomit, clean up vomit than (laughs) something about it. I just, yep. I understand. (laughs) Sorry for even bringing this question up. Yeah. It's okay. (laughs) See the upset in your face. (laughs) (laughs) I'm turning green. Well, it was so awesome to have you on the show, Mona. It was so good. It was wonderful. Thank you so much. It was do you have anything that you want to plug? Follow Gone Rogue Pro for any of the shows that I'm doing. Follow at Mona Forgione just to follow because I, I do do other shows. I get booked on other shows too. So that has, and if you go to uh, GoneRogueWithMona.com, that usually has an updated schedule. I think it might have an updated-ish schedule right now. Nice. Yeah, I'm always, always around oh. doing something. Oh, yeah. And then one other thing too, we saw that you wrote a book. Do you want to just tell people what that is and if they can find it anywhere? You can't find it oh, anywhere okay. yet other than my kid's library. I'm I'm debating whether or not to okay. publish it. It is called Toilet Monsters, um, and it is all about a mom just trying to use the toilet. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's a good I one. That. So mm-hmm. I did, I, I uh, have that book. We printed a copy for my children, and I'm debating whether or not to release it oh, that's public. awesome <laughs> i bet we love that wonder we need more books like that that's important mm-hmm. <laughs> amazing thank you so much for having me this was fun thank you for being yeah. here i'm sure everyone really will appreciate what you had to say today it was so really? so great hearing your perspective and really important stuff thank you so much mm-hmm. thank you thank you, you. Great thank i'm you. definitely going to go to one of your shows Yay. all right yeah. love you mom love you too hey this is emily from maim and mom Thanks for listening to our podcast. It comes out every Monday. Music by Faradazis of Wiki Games. Sponsored by New Hampshire Made Moms. Write in listener questions to mamemom at gmail.com. Us or probably one of our dogs will respond with feedback. Mame out.